For the past two weeks, Martin talked about God visiting Moses at the burning bush and calling Moses to a new purpose and to a new vision and to a new task, that of leading the people of Israel, his people, out of slavery and into the promised land. And maybe you have sat here for the last two weeks, or maybe you know the story, and you know that you have had a burning bush moment in your life, for your life or for this year, a clear unyielding sign of God's direction for you for either the short term or the long term. And maybe you're sitting here wondering where your burning bush experience is and when it's coming, wondering when God will shine a wide spotlight on your path and illuminate the future for you. Um, Today's message is maybe for you. This morning we're going to read a passage from Isaiah 6 about how God might lead in a different type of way. So this morning, why don't you find Isaiah 6 in your Bibles or it'll be up on the screen. Um, We're going to start at verse 1 and then we'll have a little conversation about it. That's not what I want. I'm just going to double check that I'm not losing a page. Oh, I don't know what's happening here. This could be exciting. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be all right. (laughs) That's why you number the bottom of your pages and life turns out okay. All right. Isaiah chapter 6 starts like this. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim. Question mark. Each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's army, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here, Lord, I am. Send me. And the Lord said, go. And the message follows. So Isaiah, the start of chapter 6. I believe that all people are capable of hearing God speak for themselves. And so, instead of me just talking for the next 20 minutes, we're going to have a conversation. Um, With the person next to you, what jumped out at you as we read the first part of Isaiah 6? What jumped out at you and what might God be saying to you through this passage this morning? All right. What jumped out at people? Anyone over this side? What jumped out at us as we read this morning? Anyone? Roger. Yeah, send me. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, they often say that about prophets. They're not particularly well loved. What else jumps out of us from Isaiah 6? Yeah, James, eh? Barry. 
Who will go for us? Yeah, I quite like that. And there are these little snapshots throughout the Old Testament of, of this triune God that we worship, and you get these ideas through it. Peter. I think the one that says, Here am I am, send me. And he said, Go and talk to people. I think that's. Nice. When God calls us to do something, yeah. we need to obey it and do it. Yep. Yep. Anyone else? Thomas. Ah, yeah. And so his, his robe was so full, his, the train of his robe was so long, showing that he's the Lord over all, over all the nations. Yeah. He's all of our Lord. It's very cool. It's a, it's a cool little study when you find stuff like that. You go, oh, that's, you go, oh, that's a weird passage. But then you go, actually, it, it means so much from a, a context point of view that we just totally miss because we don't have trains or robes or temples. Um, <laughs> anyone else? Any last thoughts before we continue this morning? That's all right. I'm, I'm struck by the questions that God asks. Whom shall I or whom shall we send and whom will go for us? Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I think there's a difference in these things. I think there's a difference in those statements and I think they illustrate two ways that God guides us. I studied uh, Kerry Baptist College, um, there for a long time, four years I think, Um, I studied with a bunch of people who had these really crystal clear callings to ministry. One guy I worked with, he'd studied as a chef, um, and right at the end, so three years studying as a chef, was all ready to go into a job, and he knew in the back of his brain that God actually wanted him in, in church ministry and Christian ministry. And so basically he said to God, if I can't get a job as a chef, then I'll go and retrain and become a pastor instead. Um, he, he laid out this fleece. And then the day before he was to start his new job as a chef, at a big Auckland restaurant somewhere, he was playing rugby and broke his leg, and so he couldn't start his job. And so he went and trained as a pastor. Um, it's fascinating. Um, a guy I worked with, he said to God, if I make this much money in a year, then I'll quit and I'll go and I'll train and I'll become a pastor. And, and one year he made like a dollar or ten dollars over that in a year. And so he quit and he went and trained to become a pastor. One of the girls I studied with had this a most amazing sense of call on her life. And she was treated the worst I've ever seen by churches that she was placed in and that she worked for. And yet her really clear calling from God is what sustained her through it all. And then I went to Bible college because my sister said, why don't you come and hang out with me for a year and work in the youth group and maybe do some Bible college papers. And so I enrolled three days before um, classes started, and that was 12 years ago. 12 years ago, um, for 12 years I've ever been in full-time theological study or full-time Christian ministry. And the secret between you and me because we're such tight friends, is that at the start of it, I didn't have a super strong calling to ministry. I just gave it a go. I just went up there and did some study and hung out with a youth group for a year, and things, I'm going to use the word snowballed, but that's probably got negative connotations. Um, And now I'm here, um, feeling very firm in my calling to ministry. I stumbled into it, I gave it a go, and it stuck. And now you're all stuck with me. 
Yeah, um, I, I know, and, and part of it is that maybe I don't feel this massive calling to ministry, but I still know that God works through me. I'm totally bashful, not, not bashful enough, I'm boastful enough to say that God can work through me, and I can say that he works through you as well, um, and that's cool enough for me. Isaiah, in Isaiah, God asks these two questions, who will we send and who will go for us? I think vision and calling and direction work in both of these ways. Sometimes God sends people, he shows up and lays out a plan and says, you're on this path, get on your bike, let's go, let's get this done. And sometimes God throws out some ideas. And he shows us part of his heart for our world, and we get to respond to it. We get to stand and say, I'll go. I think in Isaiah 6, Isaiah could have not gone as the messenger. And that might be an unpopular thought. Um, I think it was one option among many. In our world, in our town, and in our homes, there are things that are going on that God really loves, and there are things that God really doesn't love. I think he wants us to do something about them. Throughout scripture, God tells us about heaps of the stuff that he cares about. And he calls us as his church and his body to care about these things too. Here's some examples. Luke 4 tells us that God cares about the poor and those held captive and the prisoner and the blind and the oppressed. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, God tells us that he cares about the brokenhearted and those who mourn. Acts 6 tells us that God cares for the widows and the orphans. The psalmist tells us that God loves the fatherless and the children. And the writer of Leviticus tells us that God loves the foreigner and the refugee. First Peter and Matthew both tell us that God cares for those who are feeling anxious and worried about their lives. Scripture is filled with God caring about his creation. And we are, um, we're called to care for these things as well. To have compassion for both victims and for villains. Mercy for both masters and servants. Love for those who are lovely and those who are unloved. Scripture says that not even the sparrow falls without God's knowing. As the old hymn says, Let not your heart be troubled, his tender words I hear. The resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fear. Though my path, oh, through my path he leadeth, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know that he watches me. Take a moment this morning to consider what does God care about in your world and in your life? And where might he be sending you? And where might you choose to go within those things that he cares about? Take 30 seconds to consider what God cares about and where you might fit in with that. This thing. I think that when we consider how God works, we often think of God's plan as a single path. And we get anxious that we might miss it. We might miss the turnings. We might miss the, the space where he wants us to be. And we have a bit of fear that maybe we'll go to the left or to the right and we'll miss what God has for us and that he'll be disappointed in us. Um, and I think we carry a huge amount of fear around that as Christians. Today I'd love for you to picture um, God's direction a bit more like this, like a playground. This is my son. Um, God, I think, places us in a playground with heaps of different things that we could do. Heaps of different stuff that we have the abilities and the skills and the circumstances that we can affect. 
Maybe some stuff's really great and he wants us to get involved with those things. Maybe some things are broken and they need to be fixed, they need to be dealt with. My little boy Harry, he could choose to do anything up here. He could choose to ride the bike, he could choose to go down the slide, he loves trains at the moment, so I'm not surprised with that. Um, he could do everything, and I'm overjoyed with it. I don't mind what he does up there, he's having fun, he's giving it a go, he's crashing stuff. Um, even if he decided to do something else, like drive the bike down the stairs, which some of you may have seen earlier this morning, or throw something around. Um, I'm not going to be disappointed in him, I'm going to go to him and I'm going to say, that we don't, maybe we don't use it like that. Maybe we don't, you know, maybe we shouldn't hit that kid in the head with that brick. You know, like, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll fix the stuff that's broken and we'll do it together. Um, he has nothing to fear from me in this space. There isn't anything that he can do that isn't what children do. And I think God is really similar. God watches us, and we don't need to fear upsetting him or angering him if we make the wrong choices or we make a mistake, because he loves us. When we're talking about God's will and direction, we often forget that God loves us. In this context of God putting us in a playground, there's heaps of stuff that we could do. There's heaps of stuff that we can get involved in and have fun with. There's heaps of stuff that we can get involved with and fix. Maybe the playground that you're put in is covered into graffiti and you need to fix it. It's fine. But we get to make these choices, I think, because there's lots of stuff that we could do that would bring pleasure to God and would help us feel fulfilled. I remember making a decision in my life and saying to someone that I was pretty sure God was okay with it. And if he wasn't, he was big enough to tell me. He was big enough to let me know how he wanted me to bring about his glory, to move me into a different path and into a different place. If he wants me to move in a specific way, he'll let me know. Otherwise, I think this playground analogy is really helpful. We've got these boundaries around us, and if we play within them, everything we do can bring glory to God. Everything we do can bring him pleasure. We don't need to fear God's disappointment. Let me tell, me tell you some of the things that are happening in Topor, the playground of Topor that you might want to get involved in. Some stuff that's going on that God is doing or maybe that God would like to be doing. There's some great stuff happening in Topor. Easterfest is a really great example coming up. Easter, the combined churches, um, outreaching into our community and into our nation. And there's heaps of opportunities for us to get involved with what, is doing, with what God is doing in Topor over Easter. I got an email this week from our fantastically wonderful hospital chaplain saying that they are looking for some um, volunteer chaplains. Um, it's a great way, really great stuff happens up at the hospital. If you wanted to be served in a way up at the hospital, see Wendy or come see me and I'll put you in touch. Um, it's a great way to get involved. Hospice always needs volunteers to help look after those who are dying and, those, and their families. And every person who has ever be, that I've been encountered that has had hospice involved is always so grateful for the things that they do. There's greening Topol, and there's an abundance of ministries here at Topol Baptist that are doing great things um, if you want to get involved with what is happening. And then there's some stuff in Topor and in our country that's broken. Stuff that we might want to care about in some way. Uh, the Lakes DHB, Topor, Rotorua, have the highest rate of youth suicide in the country. God really cares about that. Is that something 
that you want to put your hand up and say, send me. There is a massive shortage in Taupo for respite and, and foster care for um, children and young people. There's a massive shortage, and they really need quality people. There's people in Taupo with unmanageable debt, and maybe CAP is something you'd like to help out with, or another way of serving those and helping them. Currently, um, going before Parliament um, soon, there is a bill around euthanasia. Um, David Seymour wants to put through a bill. Um, we've got some information from Family First here around making a submission. Um, as Christians, I think we should care about this, and I think we should care about it deeply. Um, it's a way that we can get involved with stuff that's going on. Um, if you want to do a submission, they have to be done by the 20th of February. Um, and there's heaps of these booklets out on the help desk that'll give you lots of information to help you um, do one. There's heaps of good places that God wants us to join in where he's already doing things. And there are heaps of places that we can join God where he's mourning the brokenness in our world and seeking to make people and our world whole again. Micah 6 says this, What can we bring to the Lord? Shall we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearly calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for, their sin, to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told us what is good and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I think those are the fences on our playground. And if we're doing justice, and if we're loving with mercy, and if we're walking humbly with God, I don't think we can get it wrong, is my way of approaching the will of God. If we do these things, we can do just about anything within them, and we can let go of the fear of getting it wrong. One of my favorite books that I give to every year 13 young person who's gone through my youth group for the last eight years, I think, is called Just Do Something. Making choices and stepping out in boldness. Trusting that God loves you and delights in you and he will catch you if you fall. And if God wants us to do something specific, he is well able to set a bush on fire or to spell out our names in the clouds, and send us a certain way. I truly believe this this morning, that we can trust that God loves us enough to make mistakes and to give things a go and to make some choices. Jeff and Fiona, you want to come join us? This morning as we finish, um, we'll sing some songs, but I'd love to invite you to take a moment to consider the two questions that are posed in Isaiah 6. Who should we send and who will go for us? Where has God already sent you? Some people will have this really clear calling on their lives about where God wants them to be. That's really fantastic. Reflect on that. And where are you going to decide to take and find and join with Jesus because the heart of God beats for those places and people? This morning, take a few moments to consider where have you been sent? And this morning, maybe, where are you choosing to go? Take a moment to consider, and then we'll finish with some musical worship.